This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Dittman, Liverpool, United Kingdom. Web address mercurialspirit.co.uk From October to Brest-Litovsk by Leon Trotsky Chapter 22 The Fate of the Constituent Assembly When, after the Kornilov episode, the ruling Soviet parties tried to smooth over their laxness towards the counter-revolutionary bourgeoisie, they demanded a speedier convocation of the Constituent Assembly. Kerensky, whom the Soviets had just saved from the two light embraces of his ally, Kornilov, found himself compelled to make compromises. The call for the Constituent Assembly was issued for the end of November. By that time, however, circumstances had so shaped themselves that there was no guarantee whatever that the Constituent Assembly would really be convoked. The greatest degree of disorganization was taking place at the front. Desertions were increasing every day. The mass of soldiers threatened to leave the trenches, whole regiments at a time, and move to the rear, devastating everything on their way. In the villages, a general seizure of lands and landholders' utensils was going on. Martial law had been declared in several provinces. The Germans continued to advance, capturing Riga and threatened Petrograd. The right wing of the bourgeoisie was openly rejoicing over the danger that threatened the revolutionary capital. The government offices at Petrograd were being evacuated and Kerensky's government was preparing to move to Moscow. All this made the actual convocation of the Constituent Assembly not only doubtful, but hardly even probable. From this point of view, the October Revolution seems to have been the deliverance of the Constituent Assembly, as it has been the saviour of the Revolution generally. When we were declaring that the road to the Constituent Assembly was not by way of Seratelli's preliminary parliament, but by way of the seizure of the reins of government by the Soviets, we were quite sincere. But the interminable delay in convoking the Constituent Assembly was not without effect upon this institution itself. Heralded in the first days of the revolution, it came into being only after eight or nine months of bitter class and party struggle. It came too late to play a creative role. Its internal inadequacy had been predetermined by a single fact, a fact which might seem unimportant at first, but which subsequently took on tremendous importance for the fate of the Constituent Assembly. Numerically, the principal revolutionary party in the first epoch was the party of social revolutionists. I have already referred to its formlessness and variegated composition. The revolution led inevitably to the dismemberment of such of its members as had joined it under the banner of populism. The left wing, which had a following amongst part of the workers and the vast masses of poor peasants, was becoming more and more alienated from the rest. This wing found itself in uncompromising opposition to the party and middle bourgeois branches of social revolutionists. But the inertness of party organisation and party tradition held back the inevitable process of cleavage. 
The proportional system of elections still holds full sway, as everyone knows, in party lists. Since these lists were made up two or three months before the October Revolution and were not subject to change, the left and right social revolutionists still figured in these lists as one and the same party. Thus, by the time of the October Revolution, that is, the period when the right social revolutionists were arresting the left, and then the left were combining with the Bolsheviki for the overthrow of Kerensky's ministry, the old lists remained in full force. And in the elections for the Constituent Assembly, the peasants were compelled to vote for lists of names at the head of which stood Kerensky, followed by those of left social revolutionists who participated in the plot for his overthrow. If the months preceding the October Revolution were months of continuous gain in popular support for the left, of a general increase in Bolshevik following among workers, soldiers and peasants, then this process was reflected within the party of social revolutionists in an increase of the left wing at the expense of the right. Nevertheless, on the party lists of the social revolutionists, there was a predominance of three to one of old leaders of the right wing, of men who had lost all their revolutionary reputation in the days of coalition with the liberal bourgeoisie. To this should be added also the fact that the elections themselves were held during the first weeks after the October Revolution. The news of the change travelled rather slowly from the capital to the provinces, from the cities to the villages. The peasantry in many places had but a very vague idea of what was taking place in Petrograd and Moscow. They voted for land and liberty, for their representatives in the land committees, who in most cases gathered under the banner of populism but thereby they were voting for Kerensky and Askientiev, who were dissolving the land committees and arresting their members. As a result of this, there came about the strange political paradox that one of the two parties which dissolved the Constituent Assembly, the left social revolutionists, had won its representation by being on the same list of names for the party which gave a majority to the Constituent Assembly. This matter-of-fact phase of question should give a very clear idea of the extent to which the Constituent Assembly lagged behind the course of political events and party groupings. We must consider the question of principles. End of chapter 22